morning and welcome to episode 73 of Board Games in Bed. I'm Becky and I'm here with Kelly in isolation and we're here to talk about some board games. You should probably put that in context in case someone listens to this in like 50 years time. In 50 years time, yeah. I don't know. Well, yeah, there is a, a, a pandemic on at the moment um, and we caught colds. So um, I'm pretty sure we don't have coronavirus but... We are in currently in self-isolation. Basically, if you go out with a cold now, everyone will think that you're riddled with coronavirus, so you can't go anywhere, can you? No. But it's the right thing to do, to stay home, so that is what we're doing. Kelly's definitely finding it tougher than me. I feel like I was born to stay at home. I'm like a dog. I have to be out for a walk every day. <laughs> Otherwise I go crazy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, obviously it's quite a scary time, but we're trying to make the most of it and focus on the good things. And one of the good things, one of the good things is board games. So that's what we're focusing on. And we thought we would take this opportunity to do a podcast. And we have actually been playing a lot of games recently. Well, yeah, that's the point. We're doing the podcast because now we actually have nothing else to do after we play <laughs> board games. After yeah. looking after the baby yeah. and feeding her. It's board games, it's but yeah, really it's been nice. It's been nice to get back to playing board games. I've enjoyed playing board games. All we have to do is stay in our dining room in the evening and not come through to the living room, and we can play board games. It's the second we sit down on the sofa, that's it. Yeah, but no, it has been good. We've started Gloomhaven campaign, so we've been doing that um, before. That the... was a good time to hold off, wasn't it? Yeah, we've okay, holding it. off Gloomhaven because it's almost like you knew that. <laughs> Home. I was just waiting for a pandemic to come along so we've got time to play Gloomhaven. Exactly. But yeah, so um, we've been playing that, just the two of us. We have been uh, playing, well, before we got isolated, we were playing, we've played a bit of Dead of Winter, which was fun, and done oh, some yeah. board game nights. And we even played a bit of Battlestars, yeah. surprisingly. Yeah, we've been getting games in left, right and centre. But we're not going to... We're, we're going to do things a bit differently today. We're not going to talk about any of them. Um, and we're actually going to talk about... It's a review episode, yeah, essentially, we're because we've had a backlog of games and things that people asked us to review. And just recently, it just seemed like a good a good time, time to catch up on so them. So we're all. getting them all done in one episode. Um, we're definitely taking a bit of inspiration from um, the our fellow Inside Voices network podcast uh the five by um if you haven't listened to them before they do five all their episodes are five reviews five minutes each uh oh, we've got to stick to five minutes no we're not going to stick to five minutes we're not we're, we're inspired we're not like following their format directly. oh we're not copying, we're not copying. <laughs> so yeah we're going to do five reviews today and as we said these were all things we have been provided review copies of full disclosure are you going to say up front what the five things are and then we'll start working through them? No. Are you going to tell people that they're... Well, let's let's start Let's start with the first thing. Um, Which is? The board game book. We've had that almost a year. We got it. At the Games Expo yeah, last year. Given it to us at the Games Expo last year. And we did briefly mention it on our UK Games Expo episode so yeah we're starting our review episode with a book full of reviews uh see yeah yeah um so yeah the board game book is in front of us right now <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> we've got volume one yeah volume one and i believe volume two has been on kickstarter oh. at some point so uh it's the essential guide to the best new games um so it's, it's basically a collection of reviews about various releases in I guess well, 2019 about... I get well, I would guess or maybe 2018 18 or 19 it's basically broken down into kind of chapters isn't it of like different of grouped games so you know you've got like the getting into gaming and then it goes through all like casual games light medium complex storytelling all that kind of thing role playing miniature games <laughs> well, oh and board game apps I didn't see the board game app, so I have to have a look at that again. Yeah, I didn't actually. <laughs> As we said, we got given a review copy of this. Um, I don't know if it's something I would have purchased, but I am glad we've got it. <laughs> I feel like we would have done because, like, I think if you're if you're into board games enough, as in with like any hobby or interest around a particular thing or theme, you like to have things 
all the things related to I, that. Theme. I feel like this is more your kind of thing than my kind of thing. Like I, I think you, you like to have books like this, like reference books. Like you've still got all like the travel guides from when we went on honeymoon and stuff mm. like that. Um, but it, it's definitely it's an interesting thing. It uh, like it is a collection of reviews on the hottest games um i had a good flick through some we've played some we haven't uh, i didn't read all of them uh but i just and I, I don't think you would sit down and read this cover it's, to cover it's like no. it's a nice book to just like sit and it's like a coffee table through. book yeah exactly it? you have it laying around and every so often you pick it up and flick through and pick something yeah um it's really i think it's really well written um it sort of reminds me of that style of like well they're all when you look at the authors, they've all got like backgrounds in mag- for magazine writing and stuff like that. And it's definitely that kind of style. Um, so it's not like heavy on um, rules, explanations, the, the descriptions of the games. It's much more like this is a flavour of the game and this is the feeling. Of- I still think there's a fairly good. I still think there's like a good summary of each of the. Yeah, games. I, I, it's not like oh. It's, it it's not too abstract book detail. Yeah, exactly. But it's clear enough to give you a, a pretty good idea of how the game plays out. Yeah, and each of the reviews or each of the games are covered in just like a page or two, um, so it's not like it's not I like sitting the, down and reading a rule book for each one. Like I think the most is like a double page spread for a game, mm. was it? So. I have to say those. I think depending on the game, like a double page is about the limit. Like I found some of them a bit of a trudge, but I don't think, <laughs> I don't think they were too bad. I, I quite I like short and snappy things. So yeah. I quite liked all the little like ones. There's at the front. I think there's some where it's like maybe two or three on a page. Oh, like, okay. I kind of um, like those little short snappy ones, but then obviously there's only so much detail you can get in yeah. those. So. Well, I, th- I thought the writing generally was like quite engaging. Like it wasn't, it wasn't too dry. You don't listen to or watch or, to be fair, I don't read a lot of reviews. I tend to like watch video reviews or listen to podcast reviews. But it, it wasn't. None of it was too. Well, none of it was dry and didn't didn't get bogged down into detail. So I, I quite liked that as a. It was it was enjoyable to and easy to read. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was good. Uh, I also liked there was. I don't know if any of the ones you read, but there was like, quite a few interviews with yeah, the designers in there. That, yeah. I thought that was a good. That was quite interesting. That's what a lot. A number of the sort of double pager ones were, weren't they? They mm-hmm. had the second page where it was like questions. I think everyone likes that because then they're still little short, snappy, readable bits, aren't yeah. they? I kind of. Again, I don't know what which ones you read and which ones you didn't. I kind of, when I was reading through the book, I was sort of flicking through, reading the games that I had played, you know, for like a bit of validation, like, oh, mm. I like this game. I wonder um, what they've said about it. And I was sort of like nodding along in agreement. Mm. Yes, yes, they have good taste as well. <laughs> I think I mostly read ones we've played. Oh, did you? And But of everything I read, I don't... I don't really think there was any negative review. I think they were all... They're all positive. I mean, mm. I definitely read ones where it, it kind of maybe picked up on a couple of the downsides of it or like gave or sort of from a constructive criticism mm. point of view but nothing was I didn't read anything unless I just because I haven't read them all I didn't read anything where it just said yeah this is a terrible game yeah I kind of thought that as well so like thinking of it as a book of reviews I don't know if necessarily like every article I read on a game either one that I'd played or one that I was interested in really sort of made me think like, oh yeah, that's this sounds good. I wanna I wanna give this a go or I, yeah, this is a game, good game. I wanna play it again. So I don't know as an objective review if this this book is is fully that. Um, is it do, is it technically then a review book though? Because it's a, it's a central guide to the best new games. So I've tried to pick out like kind of the best of the best based on reviews I yeah assume. exactly so yeah if if they are aiming for this to be the best games then it it stands to reason that there wouldn't necessarily be that much criticism in there um i think i tried to look through and find um it, it is all like big there wasn't many games in there that i hadn't heard of so they are all like the really big name games i think um one i picked out i read the fallout review the fallout board game review um not because I've played it or I really want to play it but it's it's the only one that I'd kind of heard of but that I'd heard like not great things about it and like the author um, recognised that there was or like kind of mentioned that there was issues with the game but didn't really go into too much detail about what they were and like generally it still felt like quite a positive article but again if you're writing a book about the best games then you, you... kind of expect all the articles to be quite positive and like i said i don't i don't think people are buying this 
for having objective reviews i think they're sort of buying it like you it's said it's like a coffee a, table book yeah. like flick through it's just like having an encyclopedia of games mm. isn't it yeah it's, it's quite interesting how would you feel about like because obviously we do own some of the games like if you were like wanting to give someone a sort of a non-gamer a bit of a flavor of games would you like be like oh check check this out or do you um, think it's more more for gamers uh, i don't know without sort of going back and reading one to I'd have to kind of read it with that in mind to kind of get an idea about it, to be able to answer that. Mm. I I, I kind of think maybe not. I think you could give it to him to read, but maybe you'd still need to give her a bit more of a a review of it. I mean, it would be interesting to try, wouldn't it? Just Mm. to give it to someone, let them like pick one out and like Mm. be like, have a look at this and tell me if there's one you've read that you like the sound of. Mm. I mean, the same goes for us. There's games, there's plenty of games in here we haven't read. So it's like, do you think you could read about a game in here that we've not played before and it inspire you to be like, oh yeah, actually that sounds good. Do I, yeah, do that's I what I was it? doing. I, I, you just you just said you read the ones that you'd... I read some I haven't played. Yeah, but I like flicked through and I was like, oh, what's this? This looks interesting. And sort of, yeah, some of them did So we did that work on you then? Yeah, like a lot of the ones I read did pique my interest. But they did... Um, there was one in particular... It's like a little push-a-luck game. I read it and I sort of thought, oh, this sounds interesting. But the article did, did give me enough of a flavour of it to make me think like, oh, this does sound interesting, but I don't think this is one that I necessarily want to play. Like, it sounds a bit too simple. So, yeah. like, going back to... The, OK, there weren't negative articles, but they did give you enough information to sort of make informed decisions. Mm. I think I think it's a cool idea. Um like I said, I don't think the, I don't think people who like you're going to probably be in a board game, though. If you're going to be buying these books, aren't yeah. You? So you're probably already like getting information around what are good mm. games to play in other places as well, not just relying on this book. Yeah, it does sound like um, Kickstarter is their main model for like releasing them. So they, like I said, I'm pretty sure Volume Two's gone up. Yeah, they did a. a they released it on Kickstarter a while ago, but it looks like it is in shops as well. So I can see WH Smith's has listed it as pre-order for Volume Two, mm. and then um, Volume One is looks to be available for purchase in like book game sh- uh, in mm. board game stores as well as like some bookshops as well. So I think I think it's cool. Like it's a, an interesting thing. Um, Do you like the look of the book? Yeah, it's really nicely laid out, and like the photography is like for all the games is really good like it it definitely it just feels like a like a mainstream magazine really like mm. flicking through it the way the articles are laid laid out and everything it's, it feels well, very professional yeah i like the look of it i think like you can see how in a shop that would be eye-catching to like gamers as well as non-gamers mm. especially like because board game is getting a bit more popular if you started hearing a bit about it and you saw the board game book and you've had a quick flick and you're like oh it's just loads of different types of board games mm. see someone who's already like interested already being yeah. a little bit like you know getting a little bit intrigued it would be appealing to buy mm. maybe not so like when you realize like it's only one volume and you're like oh but there's gonna be another one that's that's what i'm kind of like oh, is there only gonna be so many people that actually get every volume because we've we got this one because we were fortunate enough to be given it but i don't know whether i'm like would we buy another would you buy would we be buying each volume as they come out each year i put like i said i probably wouldn't because uh, i think there's because there's a lot of movement now to get in like like we don't buy magazines anymore because yeah. we can read the content we'd want out of a magazine on the internet now and the same with this we could get all this inf- every, all the information about games in this book mm. we could get online and like as much as i like this book and it's a nice like coffee table type book to have around it's something that you've got to have laying around when you could just have access to it for your phone yeah also- but we that's that's like our personality types like we don't hold on to things like if you were more of a like excluding the board game collection like we have a very minimal like book collection like uh, we've kept like a few of our absolute favorites and then a few books that we've got to read but other than that we don't have a big library of books and similarly like we sort of like question but this is quite this is quite a substantial book we've got one volume of this and it's like I don't know, it's not far off an inch thick. It's like an A4 hardback size. You start, like... I know some people would collect, keep and collect these sort of things, but, like, that's, it's going to take up a fair bit of space once you start collecting two or three of these, mm. isn't it? And the weight as well. Like, this one book is pretty weighty. Mm. 
So when you start getting multiple ones of these, like that's a lot of stuff to have lying around. I, I did what I was thinking as well. Like it is a good kind of coffee table book to have laying around on the table just to pick up and read a bit. But I was reading it a little bit this afternoon before we did this. And when you're laying on the sofa and you've got a massive, thick, heavy, hardback <laughs> book you're trying to hold, as opposed to like a lighter, smaller book or being able to just look on your phone. Like this was awkward, like just trying to... Yeah, but I think then we're veering into like a different topic than like uh like print media versus like internet media yeah but surely that's something you have to consider if you want to produce a, a book about board gaming that you want people to buy yeah but it's obviously viable like they've made it they've sold it we've got it physically here i think you I have to wonder... make your own decision on whether yeah. you value having a book in your house over over having so basically you need someone whose hobby is board gaming as well as books yeah i think there's a lot of overlap there I can see why you wouldn't want to do a standalone book because it would only capture games up until that point. But at the same time, bringing out a book every year for all the new games that come out every year, it's sort of like. But is it not nice? I, think, to have I feel like, like people a... might buy one or two, but people won't get a whole. Won't maybe have the whole collection. Yeah, know? but there's loads of books like that. There's loads of like anthologies and stuff like that. Like we always well, just just give her my opinion on it. But when you were a kid, did you not used to like get? the Beano album and stuff like no. that. No. Didn't you? No. It does remind um, me of an album, of an annual. No, though. I know what you did used to get though, or you've bought me in the past, that like, Riley's Believe It or Not. I never had that as a kid. Didn't you? No. Well, why did you buy it for me then? I think I bought you at once. Yeah. And but like, it's that kind of thing. Me. So I think that there's... And there's... it's Ripley's Believe It or Not. What did I say? Riley's. Um, but th- those sorts of things are popular, like the Guinness World Record Book of Records, like that comes out all the time. So I think it's cool, like as a. I don't think anyone buys those for themselves, though, do they? <laughs> I think that Ripley's Believe It or Not on the Guinness Book of Records is something that sales peak for over Christmas when people don't know what to get people, <laughs> and you just get. Well, do you think this it, then? Like... Do you think this is a gift for like a a board gamer? Like, Maybe that actually, I think that would be quite a nice gift. It is one of those things where I'd be reluctant to buy it myself, but if someone else bought, bought it for it. me, I'd read it. Yeah, know? exactly. Like it'd be like, oh, so there you go, like a good gift for a board gamer. Like a anthology of, you just have to hope that non it gets in the shops and non board gamers know about it. You also don't want to risk that like your family and friends spot their volume two in the shops this year, and then you get multiple copies. Everyone's <laughs> like, oh, they're into board games. Instead of trying to pick a board game, they're like, I'll just buy them a book full of board games. I think that's good. You are also the woman that wanted to buy your family magazine subscriptions for Christmas. So this is a similar thing to that. It's not me, though. Like, that's just... Again, it's just... <laughs> I don't know that they want a whole bunch of magazines. It's just something to give them. <laughs> right, I feel like we've we've gone into a different topic here. Anyway, I, I thought the book was, was good. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> High praise. <laughs> um, so, well, should we talk about another other non-board game item? Sure. Next? Um, so we got sent a, a documentary to watch um, called The Game Designers. Which I think has just been released, hasn't it? Yeah, it's on the 16th it came out. I put out, it on the so calendar, so I remembered. If you... <laughs> I did? So if you it's are... on the phone. I, I put it on our calendar, you didn't put it on the calendar. <laughs> 16th documentary shout out. <laughs> it's the 21st now. <laughs> edit all this out um, <laughs> this is, don't edit out all this stuff this is the bit where like I say funny things <laughs> anyway it sounds a lot like you just edit me out I don't know why I record these podcasts because <laughs> I feel like you edit me out and just most um, of it is you and it's you... just me going you've cut it so I just go yeah <laughs> yeah I liked it <laughs> you just hear these weird little snippets of me if you listen to the podcast you'd know anyway I do. Anyway. We listen to ourselves in the car, remember? <laughs> anyway, this is the review episode. So Don't cut me out, though. Um, so we watched the board game designers. We watched this a couple of weeks ago, so we got some, an early preview, but it is now available on Amazon and other places. I'll put links in the um, description. Um, so this was a, a documentary about board game designers, as alluded to in the title. What did you think of it? It was all right. I mean, it, <laughs> it sounds like it could be quite dry because it's it not about board games. It's about the designing. So, I mean, 
it depends whether like there's one thing I suppose like in playing board games there's another thing being interested in in the people that design them and how they come up with them but mm. I think they structured the documentary like quite well to keep it appealing because mm. I I've, I don't I've never really been into like the designers and stuff like you know who has made certain games but I don't really follow that side of it so the documentary wasn't the side I'd normally follow but I thought it was quite good how they kind of followed three sort of there was like three main designers they were following well no so there was two like big name designers so it was matt leacock and anton bowser and then there was like knew them. three no you didn't. I didn't know them <laughs> okay but then there was like three like sort of unknown designers who were working on like kind of unpublished or self-published games or just sort of showing the process that people yeah. go through wasn't it? and the, the sort of different routes they took so like one guy was working on like a kickstarter game and who just had like a failed kickstarter and he was like relaunching it mm. so he was doing that route and then there was a woman who was doing a more like traditional publishing route so she had made some games and then she was having meetings with publishers to like speak to yeah going to all the conventions and, and then there was and the third guy was like more like the early stages of like game design like I don't think he'd really thought that much about like well, he'd, publishing he'd or just, selling it he was just trying to make a like he had an idea he sort of made a prototype and was just playing it with friends really at, the, yeah, at that exactly. stage wasn't he but um it was all different like, it was all quite interesting perspectives like we've we've have dabbled a little bit at like not designing a full-on game like but just like talking about ideas and stuff <laughs> we made a, a few little um prototypes of games as well haven't we like we made a little yeah. card game and it's more like i'd say more like rules tweaking and stuff like that we've had a go at but mm. we've we've never sat down and thought like oh i, I want to make and release like a big epic game or even like just mm-hmm. a, a regular sized game so yeah that side of things was really interesting and it was also interesting to see how the like the big designers worked as well and mm. um, well and it kind of covered a bit of their like past and where they got to where they are now yeah like all the game like how they'd started from like basically as teenagers like doing games and all the like hundreds of like games they tried to make and made prototypes of and then they, nothing happened with them yeah i think it was good at showing that like it feels sometimes it feels like there's like hundreds and thousands of games that come out every year and it makes it it sometimes seems like oh it must be easy just to Mm. create and get a board game published and made but actually it sort of showed that it's really difficult and like people spend a lot of time Mm. and money trying to you know create games and get them published and it's not as easy as what it seems Mm. like it could be like there's a lot of work that goes into the time you see that game like the finished copy and a play you know playing it at games expo there's been a lot of stuff that's gone before that to get it to that point Mm. i I, yeah i found it quite interesting like you say despite it not being necessarily something that i'm like directly interested in like as a a gaming adjacent thing it it was quite an interesting documentary Mm. i told someone about it who's sort of getting a board game and they sounded interested Mm. in it so yeah it was cool so i'm doing my bit (laughs) promoting it (laughs) Um, but yeah, that that was good. I think um, again, this was on like a crowdfunding platform, so I think people mm. who have um, might have already had access to it, but it's now more widely avail- available. So this is what I think about like the documentary and the book. If you're into like we're into board gaming as a hobby, so I think when you're interested in board games, you're always like interested and intrigued by anything about that topic. Mm. So, like, if there's a book out about board gaming, you want to read it. And if there's a documentary or a program about it, mm. you want to watch it. And it, it might not might not be to your taste, or you, you may enjoy it, you may not. But the fact that it's just about... It's about the thing you're interested yeah. in. You're interested in see, at least seeing what it's about. I think it goes for any a lot of hobbies, doesn't it? Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, these are sort of, like, adjacent things. Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you one thing that I did learn from the documentary... Um, and that was that we'd been playing Pandemic wrong because Matt Leacock stacks the Pandemic cubes when you have an outbreak. Oh, I'm just yeah. them on the thing. That was, that was one we of my key takeaways. We just group them together, don't we? <laughs> I'll tell you why we don't do that, though, because you're clumsy. <laughs> like, tr- watching you every time trying to stack cubes on top of each other, they just fall down anyway. That's why we don't do that. But yeah, that was a, a really interesting documentary. So check that out. Yeah. Uh, right, now we've got games to talk about. 
Um, so, should we start with the littlest game? Yeah. Work our way up in size. Okay. So, um, this is Micro Brew. Um, Which, again, we've had for a long time. We have had for a long time, embarrassingly long time. Um, it comes in a little tin. Um, we actually had the prototype copy, so we won't talk too much about the like artwork on the cards because I think a lot of that's changed. I still thought that looked pretty good, though. Yeah, I didn't think it looked bad. They were like little Lego heads. I think they're more like cartoony heads now in, in real life. I liked it. I could have, that could have just been a regular copy as far as I was concerned. <laughs> I wouldn't have had any comments to say about the way it looked. Probably would like, like it less than the actual one now. <laughs> like the actual one less um so yeah we played this um we are quite a fan of like the little small games um that like we've got um mint works which comes in a little tin so this was a similar size any tin. game that's small enough to like be able to Chuck carry around easy, carry without it taking up half the boot of the car yeah. or something so this is what intrigued me about that um what particularly intrigued me was it, it is like a little tin game but it was supposed to be more complex because like as much as i like mintworks it is like it's pretty basic, basic. Yeah. um but yeah this was supposed to or this was supposed to be a bit more meaty and i think it is it's definitely more like complex so uh the whole premise is that you're two rival breweries um brewing beer um selling it to your customers and trying to make money and get loyal customers um so you have like a, a i thought it tied the theme to the game mechanics quite well so uh, you had a, a kettle um where you were is it a kettle a copper <laughs> well it might be a copper kettle i don't know like a you, copper yeah you had a copper where you were like thing. brewing your your beer in um, and you had the various malts um which you had to sort of that was like a kind of little puzzle in it you had to swap around you were rearranging them, yeah, yeah and trying to get them in the right place uh and then once they were in the right place then use them to um, brew a bottle of beer, um, which you would then ferment, ferment, which took several turns, and then you would serve it to one of your customers. And if it was to their exacting standards, then they would become a loyal customer of yours. And that was that was the key point to victory. So there was lots of like layers to what you had to do. Um, so I did think for a small game, it it, it definitely delivered that complexity. But on the flip side. You said, you said it as well when we were playing it, like, I think it could have done with being just a little bit bigger. Like, in terms of, like, sort of, like physical size. You said that you would have preferred it to be more yeah. like a tiny epic size rather than yeah, the size Yeah, because it, it, it would was. still be travellable then. Like, you could still chuck it in your bag. I just thought, especially, uh, especially because there were little pieces as well, which I assume there still are, you said mm. about the components, but if it's still fitting in that tin, there's still going to be little components. When you've got little bits and you're trying to move them around on little cards, like, I mean, I've, I've got fairly small hands and I found it, like, awkward. So I can imagine, like, men with larger hands or, like, you... <laughs> Like with big clumsy hands trying to move little bits I can see how it get, could get frustrating when you're trying to swap two little counters on a board and then it's pushing all the others around yeah it was it was fiddly in terms of like moving the components around like a big part of the um, kettle puzzle was like no not kettle copper was switching the, the two things mm. around um, and well, it's not just that. You're switching the bits around, but then you're also taking taking counters out of the tin, switching around on there, then you're moving them onto another card, then you're taking them off mm. that card, then they're going back in the tin. There's, like, a lots of little pieces that you're constantly moving. Yeah. And I think, like, the smaller they are and the more you're moving them, the more awkward it, it can be yeah. and frustrating it can be. Exactly. So, yeah, I did find it a little bit fiddly. There was a few things about... The pacing of the game, I thought, felt a little bit off. Like, um, again, maybe, like, with more plays, we would get better at it. But, like, I felt like we ended up with, like, loads of customers waiting to be served. But it was quite awkward to turn... It was quite challenging to turn them into loyal customers. I don't know if that was the intention of the game or not. Mm. Um, I think in the end I had four and you had three. Mm. I felt like it was one of those games where it kind of... You've got those. You've got the recipe cards with the beer that has the certain types of, you know, certain colours of ingredients. Yeah. I kind of felt like we got in this thing where, like, you draw the counters between you, but then I was finding I never quite had the right counters for the recipes I had, and vice versa. And you sort of, 
or, or, or vice versa you just get kind of so I'm ta- I'm needing all like the darker coloured ones and you're needing all the lighter coloured ones mm. and no one can ever quite make the right recipe the perfect recipe because there's those sort of few that are the opposite way round yeah. like I thought there wasn't part of me is not sure whether the game needed to be a little bit more complex for it to work better for me or whether it needed to be taken down a notch and be a little less complex <laughs> so it just wasn't quite right on complexity um for you like i, I know like i feel like i my- feel like i didn't have as an, as many choices and stuff as i wanted like the tokens come out and yeah you get to move you get to move the ingredients around in your copper, but that is still fairly limited. And so a lot of the time I found I could never get like the perfect set of four ingredients mm. I want. So every drink I was doing was like more um, imperfect and or had contaminants. Like, I, I don't know. I just felt a bit restricted. Like I didn't have, you had to just go with what you got. And yeah. But maybe that's part of the game. Like you have to work within the restrictions. Like maybe there was more, we should, because there was those, green ones i've forgotten what it's called but they had they allowed for more movement rounds so maybe we were supposed to use them a bit more in the game to get things like maybe it's a mastery thing like if we played it like more we would get that down that's tricky though because if you want people to if it's one that you have to kind of master and play a bit more you need to have liked it enough in the first place and like Mm. i don't feel like I got enough out of that first play to want to bother playing it again. Mm. So maybe we would get better or understand it more. But like, I don't really have any motivation to try now. Mm. Especially when there's so many games. Like, why would you spend time keep trying to try and get your head around one that's just not appealing to you? Do you think if you enjoyed the theme more, you would have found it more? Appealing? Theme always plays a part, I think, for people. Like, I don't hate the theme. Like, we're it's not like we're like teetotals. I think we're like we like drink, we like beer. But I think like. I don't. I'm not interested in beer making. Mm. I feel like so. I, like I. I don't know. Like I thought it was interesting. I think I wanted to like <laughs> it a bit more than I ended up liking it. Like because I, mm. I, like I said, I really like those little pocket games yeah, that yeah. you can carry around. Not that we're leaving the house much anymore, but like I that that was something I value. Like value. Well, even just for safe spacing, safe space saving. Yeah. I, but um, yeah, it just didn't quite hit the mark for me. But I, d- I didn't think it was bad. Like I thought it had a lot to offer. Um, there was like, there was lots of other elements. There were some gold cards in it. Um, they just seemed redundant, though, because we drew them. And unless I feel like unless sw- you solely focused on them, like it, I kind of left them as to well, if they work out, they work out kind of thing. Mm. But then they didn't work out for either of us. And like, no, I got the main one, but I was already winning at that point yeah, but so that it didn't one, make a difference so I, I think it was that good. one one of us was going to get it either way wasn't it even if like you only got it by having one or something. yeah but I suppose that could sway it like if if there was because if, if it is quite tight it could sway it but I don't know it, the things that you were going after were so like restricted it was difficult to get like as particularly like asking for people with different nationalities but then there's only one of there's, each yeah. of those nationalities. It's like the second you've lost that, that chance of that. Or you might not ever get a chance because that nationality requires you to have certain colours or something yeah. and you're just not drawing those colours yeah. and you're or not being able to get the recipe for those colours. Then mm. it's In some respects, it's not a very long game. It's one of those games where like, it's over before you want it to be because you've got lots more you need to do, but the game is just finished before you have a chance to do that. Mm. You get that in certain games, especially engine building games, you feel like they're over before you want them to be. So it's 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 not uncommon like to feel like that in a game. But also yeah, I think it I found it weird that it was based on these loyal customers rather than based on just income. Yeah, I kept thinking it should that's why I think like I probably could have done better, but I just kept thinking it would be on making the money because you're selling the beer and making the money mm. rather than getting the loyal customers. I think you were supposed to convert the money into loyal customers because you had the option to advertise and get them, which I don't think we were doing as much. Um, but then because so many customers came out, like there wasn't that much opportunity to do that. I don't know. Was- but then if you were just going to... Then it kind of just puts all the emphasis on doing the advertising to get loyal customers then it makes some of the other bits seem redundant no no but you have to have quite a lot of money to do the advertising so you do need to earn the money so i think i don't know how you would earn enough money like we both did it once because you we 
you said we need like, because of the circumstances we had to pay 10 pounds or dollars no it's, it. it's five per loyal customer you already have so if you did it early on in the game then you would pay less so you yeah but you'd only be able to do it if so you if you didn't one. have any well you always start with one loyal customer don't you yeah so it was only at the least it would cost you five we both did it at 10 yeah so we we did it almost as early as you could and we still only did it once each because right. time ran out or yeah. we just didn't have because it takes time to make the money because you've got to you've only got yeah, but that's two, two to three to victory isn't it you people. either get lucky and then you get the loyal customers by brewing the beer they want or you mitigate that luck and just focus on earning a lot of money and like buying the loyal customers I still think the process is too slow of having to like get the ingredients, brew it, bottle it, ferment it. I just don't think you can make money quick enough to to get the law customers. Well, that's what I thought was quite customers. interesting because it was like um, you played in rounds, but the rounds were sort of like some we found were very short and some were longer because you had you had two workers or you could gap to, to three to, yeah. to do your actions, but. If you chose to use an action that someone else had done, then they got their worker mm. back. So that, like, some rounds were really long where we were both wanting to do the same thing over and over again. But then other rounds were, mm. like, a lot shorter where I would do, we were doing completely mm. different things and not yeah. overlapping. I think I found that a bit frustrating because, like, it's annoying in other games where once someone takes a space, you've lost it for that round. But at least then like usually like in games like that you have a mechanic that kind of you can if you're losing out on the spots you want you have to try and take first player so you can get it the next time whereas this one it was just like well you could just keep knocking that person off and i think i found it awkward that like you could try and you could prolong a round just by keep using the same spaces that other people yeah, are on, as opposed it- to there being like a fixed round time and I don't know. I, I actually found that quite interesting because I thought it was like interesting to be like, there was a bit of like psychology, like, oh, I want to keep using my workers. So I kind of want to pick spaces that I know you're going to want, but I also need to act in my own interests. So it was like, it was almost like you wanted to end the round at the time that suited you, but you had to, you were also, if you needed a bit longer in the round, you were also reliant on your opponent, like to keep, wanting to do the same things as you did so i thought i thought it was quite interesting but um yeah, i just found it that was, sometimes it was quite like, different. you get stuck where you can't do much else and your opponent keeps prolonging the round and you're like oh like there was a couple of times where i just had to like i like did the flush thing because i was like well i don't really have anything else i can do but you're prolonging the round because you keep knocking my person off the space and you end up doing an action that you end up kind of doing a wasteful you know unproductive action because you've got to put your person somewhere because your opponent keeps knocking them off of a space so they can do something yeah but then that was good for me because i was wanting to carry on like that's where you do take the strategy where you pick something that your opponent's not necessarily going to want to do so then they're forced to end the round on their turn what what was the benefit of ending the round as well why was there rounds because uh, then you had the, the cleanup actions so you had like a new customer come out at that point um, I think they're like that token move moved round, round um, stuff like that. Oh, and yeah, just new stuff up and I don't know. I thought it was all, it was all right game. I just I don't know. Well, it didn't feel it didn't feel like it was it quite like didn't hit the mark for you. That's fair enough. Uh, do you want to move on to the next game? So um, another review copy that we've had for a very long time, a shamefully long time, is um, Vector Race. Um, so this is like a, a twist on a racing game. Almost feels like Sabutio for racing games. So um, there's no board in this game. Have uh, you ever played Sabutio? I haven't actually. Have you? No. That's why I wondered how you know it's like Sabutio. Well, in terms of it like being more of like a like Don't a you, tactical game. Robert. But you flick the pieces. Okay, it's not flicking. It's not a flicking game. So I suppose like... I mean, it reminded me of like the, the Warhammer stuff we played where you have to like do things and measure things out and stuff yeah yeah i suppose there's an element of that but yeah it's it's all there's no cards in this game there's no board there's no dice it's all done like with a physical measuring stick um so you are like these little matchbox cars and you have like these yeah measuring sticks basically yeah. um they make out they're the gears yeah, of the car they're different lengths depending on what gear you're in and you've also got the option of like boosting them to make further and uh, make them go further and you basically set up a track whatever kind of track you want on the table 
um, with like various corners that you have to turn through. Um, and then it's it's all kind of done by eye. So you have to like lay down your stick and say where you want, your car wants to go. And then at the end of your turn, you have to pick a new gear, like either go up or down a gear. Up and or then, down one, isn't it? Yeah. And then um, carry on. And then you have to make, you have to kind of guess the right length sticks to like turn corners efficiently and stuff like that and not like drive off the table and make the court the turns i I haven't really played anything like it before so it was it was definitely like quite a unique game well that's that's a description of the game what did you think of it do you know what when we played it i kind of when we finished i was like ready for it to be over and i was like (laughs) but it was one of those ones where like afterwards once it like on reflection you think about it you're like oh that was quite good like i did quite like the mechanics of it i i think you it would be one i'd give another go Mm. i feel like we played it felt like we played it for too long because we did like there was four of us playing so each time you're having to wait for like three other people to do their movements and stuff and we did like a practice lap and then we did a three lap race and mm. we were playing over a fairly large area mm. so it felt like it took like a long time yeah. i think i'd rather play like not i could maybe do the three again if you hadn't done the practice one but i think doing it in shorter one or two laps would be better if you're going to play it over well, a bigger area it's kind of- and i think the bigger area is better than smaller because otherwise it would just get too awkward and tight using all the gears yeah. so you've got to play it over a large surface well the, the only thing about doing laps was um when you did laps, you had the option to make a pit stop on each lap, which would like um, fill up your like bonus tile. So again, there's there's absolutely no luck in this and no cards. The only things you had were like these little nitrous tokens that you could spend to make you go faster or travel further, or you had some brake ty- uh, tokens uh, or tire tokens that like let you like move down gears first faster. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and and adjust for that. In case you suddenly had to kind of go a shorter distance, because yeah. obviously you've got other people's cars around you, so you might sort of think, "Oh, I want to like do a four gear shift like the next time, which would travel you a further distance." But then when you see what your opponents has done, like you might not be able to make that move that you want to. So you need to kind mm. of downshift and stuff. Yeah, we haven't played a whole heap of racing games, so I don't really have much to compare it to. But the fact that there was like no luck in it, I thought was was quite um, like if if you weren't good at this, I wasn't good at this game. Like I quickly fell behind, and then it was like almost impossible for me to catch. Yeah, up. it's one of those games where if you kind of if you make a couple of wrong moves and you fall behind, you're probably never going to catch up. Yeah. You've kind of got to be like we played with four of us, and you fell behind and stayed about the same distance behind yeah. the whole rest of the time. Whereas the three of us that were together, it was very tight right up until the end. Mm. Like people, we jostled for position and we often changed position out of those free spaces, but we were all literally in a pack still moving around, weren't we? Yeah. Which I did think from my perspective, being in that pack, it was quite interesting because you were always in the thick of it. So I think falling behind is bad because yeah. you, you lose touch with the game. It was a you're, you're basically playing the solo yeah. game then, aren't yeah, you? Whereas you've got to be in the mix for it to be interesting and, you know, there to be some, you know, mm. it'd be a bit exciting trying to work out what you're going to do. Yeah. Um, to defend myself slightly, like, I'm not, I, I don't think this is my strong point. Or, or, like, this isn't a strong game for me, but, like, I think starting position, we found starting yeah, position really made an key. impact. Like, I started last, I think, and I finished, like, last. Whereas the two that started first, I think the person that started first did end up winning. Yeah, both times. Didn't yeah. yeah. Um, and I just think, I, I think maybe they could have done a bit more to, like, um, well, we'd like just... give a handicap for that. Like, so we, yeah. you have those tokens. So, like, maybe if you were second or third, you got, like, an extra token. Mm. Well, or that's usually what happens, up. isn't it? Like, if you if you get, say, like, if you start with bonus tokens, the last position person would get the most. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the first position person would get the least. So... Mm-hmm. I'd maybe be tempted to house rule that if we play yeah, that in the future. Like, I think that's what we said, didn't we? Um, the other thing I found about this game is that I think you've got to be uh, up front. You've got to decide how um, how strictly you're going to play it because there's a lot. <laughs> well, of, there's the, a, whoa, whoa, there's a, you always do this to me. There's a. <laughs> it is all measuring and kind of 
there's there's a few extra little um rules about being able to kind of slipstream behind people and yeah. bumping and stuff like that but it all is kind of based on whether you think like you're in the right position to do that and so there's a lot of positioning and moving the cars around and you're given like a little bit of grace on it aren't you but mm. then i think up front you've got to decide how strictly you're going to stick yeah. to those rules because there were times in the game where i kind of thought we were we were kind of pushing those limits a little bit of your like grace yeah well in in the rules specifically um it states there's an allowance for micro adjustments to the game so like the way it's kind of built is you are supposed to like if you start off it's it's basically kind of follow straight lines so everyone should be following not the same path but like be kind of lined up um so it said that if you found that things were getting a bit out of line because it was quite easy to knock Mm. things on the board yeah Oh, not on the board, on the table. Um, you were allowed these like micro adjustments, but um, the way we were playing with Tim and Katie was, was they were we were almost like seeing how far you could push the micro adjustments. Yeah, be like, oh yeah, yeah, that'll fit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that works. So yeah, we were being quite free and flexible. But uh, we've talked before about like how much a stickler of the rules the rules you can be mm. um so i think that wasn't sitting as well as you yeah. weren't getting as I much enjoyment out of it as like the others were yeah i didn't mind playing it and like it was a white plan we the way we were but yeah i i don't i don't think it's a game that i'd ever fully feel comfortable with because it's almost impossible to be exact with it like mm. we were playing i suppose we were playing on the surface that was sort of a bit slippery so things could move and get knocked but then if you play on a surface where they're less likely to move, then it still makes it more awkward trying to move things when you do need to move them. And mm. I don't know, it's just, I, yeah, if, if you're playing and you're trying to be quite exact, but someone else is being a little bit more flexible with things. That's why I said like up front, like you maybe have to decide how strict or not strict you're going to mm. be. And you probably have to err on the, the slightly more lenient side with mm. a game like this to make allowances for things. Otherwise you could also spend like, hours playing if if you're going to be that strict and specific like yeah. people getting like things out and trying to move things keeping them exact like oh it'd go on forever wouldn't it yeah i feel like it would be more fun almost the faster you played like we, we didn't play you you found it quite a slow game but we didn't play like super slowly but like i think you just want to keep momentum with the game and keep it going and like not not get too bogged down with those micro adjustments just to keep it flowing and stuff like that um I think with I've never played a board game like I haven't played many, but I've never played a board game race game and really thought like oh it really encapul- encapsulates um like a sort of race feeling. And I don't think this quite managed to do it either. Do you know what I mean? No. So like whenever we play like a a race game, like I don't feel like oh it is a race. Like it's always like too abstracted and too slow. I see what you mean. Yeah. I think that's a, that's the. I think you're never going to get that though, are you? Yeah, I think that's that's. If you want to play a proper race game, you've play got to play. Kart. Yeah, you got to play Mario Kart. <laughs> you've got to play a video game that can mimic it a lot better. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it doesn't it doesn't feel like Mario Kart, but it, it was quite. I like that people have been trying. Like, pe- there's board games out there that have tried though because it was it is really a, unique. Like, yeah, I've never played anything like there's it. There's not many race games out there, and it is, it is something that would appeal. Like, I like the idea of race games. But yeah, it's it is difficult to translate into a board game mm. and still get that kind of racing feel yeah, and excitement. Yeah, but um, I thought it was a really interesting idea. I thought it looked pretty good as well. I liked the gears and the me- how the gears became the measuring sticks. I like mm. you had the option on the gears whether you didn't have to just put the car at the end. You could kind of there were different positions you mm. could or couldn't put the car in. Mm. The cars looked. I know, I know you dealt with oh, all yeah, the, the builds in the cars, but yeah, the cars are three D like little paper cars. Um, Almost cardboard. They're quite solid, weren't they? Yeah, they they're nice once they're done, but I found them a little bit fiddly to put together. Do you think it would have been better if they could just come as pre-made plastic cars rather than the cardboard? Yeah, or? maybe. Like it was good to have something to like lift up, but yeah, um, I liked having the three D car, and I liked. I thought they looked good and yeah, were yeah. pretty cool, but I. Yeah, I didn't get involved in the having to assemble. I don't, in the I don't first know place. what difference to price it like. It obviously, makes a difference to price, which is why they decided to go for like paper cars mm. rather than maybe like testing showed that people that like a racy type game quite like building the car in the first place. <laughs> maybe um, I could see myself playing that again as opposed to the microbrewery where 
I probably didn't hit the mark for me. I probably wouldn't play it again. But I, I could be tempted to give. I'd I'd like to try it with like go. more casual like gamers because it isn't really a strategy game. It's like it, anyone could play it. It's not like it's yeah. not, I, I wouldn't even necessarily describe it as a dexterity game. It's it's more like a visual like spatial. Awareness well, it's like you game. say. It's like it's like playing a Sabutio or something. Yeah, you're, you're taking a a live action sport. I'm just like trying to play it. My... Yeah, but just. <laughs> It's not like Sabuto like you were describing it. It's just <laughs> I'll just use that as an example. It's just a way of taking like any game that's kind of live like action and involves a lot of movement. You know, like how but, um right, the last our big review of oh, our big game, our big review game, um, is Hero Path Dragon's Roar. Are you just saying big because it's the biggest box? It's a big box, it's the biggest Review copy we've ever received. This is a like a fantasy adventure game. Um, to me, again, if we're comparing it to other games, to me it almost felt like Talisman, but like a modern version of Talisman. So someone's taken that idea of like you've got this big overarching quest. Mm-hmm. So in this game, it was to to kill the dragon, but rather than having like a, a random like roll and move game they've, they've made it a lot more strategic um, and streamlined so that was quite interesting you think someone enjoyed playing talisman as a as a younger person yeah and then they're like when they become an adult they're like i could redo talisman and make it well better. maybe not just talisman but like definitely like a a, a fantasy fan it's, it's definitely much a like you are one of the archetype heroes going off on an adventure this is what i found a bit weird about it like it was sort of cooperative but competitive as well well because there's one win there's only one winner but you're not you're sort of almost playing you're multiple people playing a solo game on a board yeah aren't you well you you were racing each other to be the first to kill the dragon so it did actually come with a couple of different ways of playing so we could have played it fully cooperative where we like work together to kill the dragon, uh, but the way we played it, and you can play it solo that well that way as well. But the way we played it was we were like two competing adventurers, like going off trying to buff ourselves up enough to go and take on this dragon. Um, we had the option to attack each other a lot more, um, not so much like to cause damage to each other, but like just steal resources and items off each other. But we didn't do that too much. Because that was that would have been an option by playing it more competitively. Yeah, I don't think we did it at all, did we? No, but that we're not really like. It's one of those games where like you could do that, but if you don't enjoy combat in the game, you could just so you could just you could just stay away from yeah. each other on well, this. Well, again, board, like that that's even an option in the rules. It's got modular rules, so you chose how aggressive you wanted to play with each other. I said that we could attack each other, but we never actually ended up doing it. So we did kind of play. The variant where we didn't attack each other, but that was more out of choice rather than it being a rule. Um, but yeah, you're basically on your turn, um, you've got so many actions, you can move around the map, yeah, you can fight monsters on the map, you can visit, visit various locations. shops or yeah, locations, locations, um, to try and like buff up your stats, uh, and with the ultimate aim of going and fighting this dragon, um. It did some really, it did some interesting things. Like there was some interesting things, but then there was some things that I didn't like about it as well. Um, the biggest hurdle for me was like actually starting the game. So you didn't have to read the rules. I had to read the rules. Yeah. And I felt like once we actually started playing, as is with a lot of games, like once you actually start playing, the rules click into place and you're like, oh, okay, this makes sense. But generally, I didn't think the rule book was very well laid out. I had to read it multiple times and then I had to sit through and like play it solo to try and get my head round stuff. Mm. But I've, I didn't feel like actually I should have needed to do that because I feel like... You mean like once you've played it, like it doesn't seem that complicated now I've played it. So the rules should have got me to ru- this point a lot quicker yeah, and easier. exactly. So I, I don't think the rules were great. Um, there's a lot of text in the game, like... There was a lot of it. Well. I found that one of the hardest bits. Yeah, so there's like lots of action cards, which again is cool, and it did add, add like a lot of like narrative and like interesting things to to the game. But on the flip side, it, it like you all, had all, all the, the different locations, all the different locations. You you like start off with like basically a 
a spreadsheet in front of you which say what all their different locations are mm. and like what they do and stuff like that and it was just like a lot of information mm. all in yeah, your face. Yeah, it's all on those cards, it's all in the locations. And I did say like I feel like if you enjoyed the game and you played it over and over and you played it regularly enough you'd become familiar with the locations yeah. of what I did without having to reference it all the time. But I found like all that I did the whole game was keep going backwards and forwards, reading like you do you go and you're like, oh yeah, what what does that location do? Go to the thing and read it. And then you're like, mm, no, I don't want that. Where do I, should I go to that one? Mm. Oh, hang on, what does that do? And I, it was just reading but, stuff all the time. But even with that like big board, like full of like lots of descriptions, like it wasn't, I didn't feel like it was exhausted. Like they hadn't used consistent like terms in like what some of the spaces do. So even then I had like yeah. rules questions and there was no like FAQ in the rule book to sort of like clarify those spaces a bit more. I just... I think, like, better graphic design could have maybe, like, mm. um, saved that a little bit. The only bit of graphic design that I did like um, was the fact that your um, you had player boards each where you, like, kept all your items. Mm. And I really liked that on your player board you had a picture of your person and then this, you had slots on overlaying the body for, like, yeah, stuff we- that you could equip. So you had, like... Uh, a slot over the head where you could put a card that had like a helmet on and stuff like that I thought that was quite cool I got mistaken a bit the other day because we, like you said we've been playing Gloomhaven when we had equipment I had it in my head that I had to put the equipment in a position, certain position and then it was like oh yeah that's not this game <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I thought that was I thought that was quite quirky. I thought that was an interesting way of like displaying what equipment you had equipped and like better enforcing like ha- like, like limits. two hand things. Yeah, exactly. Like that, I yeah. thought it was quite cool. Um, but I thought that was interesting. And the other uh, unique sort of like um, graphic design thing is they've got like these three D standy things. So like all the locations were like these triangular things that stood on the board. Yeah. Um, so, like, you, it was like it was three D, but it was still like a cardboard standee, and it meant that you could like, it, it meant every game, everything would be in a different location. So, like, you wouldn't get used to being like, oh, the arena is in the mm. mountains or whatever. Yeah, they look pretty good. They kind of were nice and clear and stood out mm. and stuff. Yeah, I thought that was quite interesting. Just there's so many that you've got to then go and cross-reference as to what they do. <laughs> but yeah, that was it. They had these 3D standees which had a picture of the place on, but like didn't necessarily... Uh, like, they surely there was... Because all, all the loca- most of the locations, like basically in the game you've got five main stats and you're trying to bump up these stats to go and fight the dragon because the, the the more points in each stat you had the the more damage you were going to cause so you were just going to these locations to like swap one stat for another so it was usually like oh you could pay gold to get a, like certain skill a skill or something yeah or you would kill monsters to gain experience points and then you would go to these locations to turn the experience points into like say a wisdom or, a, or like a skill or something Faith like that or something, yeah. yeah and then the item cards that you could find or buy um you might ha- there was requirements that you had certain levels of the various different skills to equip and stuff like that so all quite standard They're all like, linked together yeah yeah um so that that was all quite interesting and but like fairly standard i thought the monster track thing was quite interesting as well although it never went that high well that's what i was thinking to say like i thought like part of it was that you had this dragon on there and it had these like locations it was going to move around and that would have an impact on you during the (coughs) game that would have an impact on you during the game but i think the dragon moved once and like that track that track just never I think we said at the end of the game that it felt like that track should move a bit more consistently, mm. didn't it? Rather well, than Okay, so one of the inner innovative one of the innovative innovative <laughs> things uh of the game was this doom track. So every time you killed an enemy, it would go on the doom you'd get an experience point and it would go on the doom track and as this doom track filled up with killed enemies um the level of the monsters would all go up they'd all get harder to kill um and the dragon would move around the board and try and kill you a bit more um which i thought was really like i thought that was really clever and like quite interesting like it was a good way of the game leveling with your character 
But the only downs, or not downside, the only thing we found was that you don't necessarily have to kill enemies to level yeah. yourself up. Like, a, a, the locations to... come out quite quickly, yeah. and there's other ways of, like, getting the locations out without killing the monsters. Yeah, so you just avoid killing... I think we only killed two monsters. So we... No, we did kill more than that. I think we were up to, like, level three by the time we we killed it. So we'd killed about six monsters. But, um, again, maybe it was just the way we were playing in particular that we were kind of avoiding the, the conflict a little bit. Um, I certainly had cards that let me avoid um, monster attacks. Like, I had special abilities that let me sort of evade monsters with no penalties and stuff like that. So maybe if I hadn't had those in place, we would have been a bit more attack-heavy on on fighting the monsters and stuff like that. But it felt like because we both avoided attacking the monsters um, and just buffed ourselves up in different ways it didn't really come into effect as much as it could have done. So that was maybe a little bit disappointing and it did make the dragon a bit easier to kill at the end. But then there was still like a race because it's competitive. It was still a race between us to kill the dragon. Like you said, I think like you keep saying we, but I killed the dragon, but (laughs) I think we worked out at the end that if I hadn't done it on my go, you could have probably done it on your go. I was going to go and do it on my next go. And we were at a position where we pretty much could kill it. Like, you still have to roll the dice, but we were like already both in a pretty good yeah. position that it was likely we were going to kill it. Yeah. Combat in this game is like literally just one off. So you like fight, you don't do damage to monsters and then like come back to them and attack them later. Like you just have to they either die or they don't. Yeah, anything. exactly. You're not in a one hit basically. Um, and it's just rolling. Well, you count up your, it's the number of all the different skills you've got. Plus the dice roll, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And the the monsters have like a base level plus a dice roll against them. Um, So I thought there could have been more monsters in the game. I think there was like only eight different types of monsters and it was kind of like random what you got. Mm. I don't know if there were... I reckon it could have done with more monsters. Probably less locations. I think there were so many locations with different combinations of things you could swap Mm. for other things. I think that could have been simplified a bit and then maybe the the text wouldn't have been so overwhelming because you wouldn't have as many locations. I think that could have been simplified. Yeah, or even like they just didn't need the description, like maybe like just some iconography to make it, but I don't know. So something wasn't quite right with all those locations. Um, I did like, there was random events that happened as well. I think when I played through it on my own, I only got good events. So I was like, oh, this is cool. You get like good events that happen. And then when we played together, where it was like lots of bad event things that happen. But that, that added some sort of like variety to the game that was quite interesting. But yeah, overall, I, th- I thought if, if that's your kind of bag, I did think it was a good, good game. Like if you like those fantasy mm. RPG yeah. style games. Then, I didn't love it, but then it's not my style. But other than that, it's not. It wasn't a bad game. Mm. We don't really like. I picked Talisman to compare it to because, like, we've played a couple. Like, we're playing Gloomhaven at the moment, and we've played like Descent in the past. But they're like a lot more dungeon crawly games where you're like going one on one against monsters and stuff like that. This didn't feel like a. This isn't a dungeon crawler. Like, this is more like a adventure. Adventure. Yeah, you're like exploring a whole land, and so yeah, it definitely had a, a different feel. But they're not typically games like Talisman is the only example I can think of because we we don't typically have any other games in that genre. Well, we don't even own yeah, Talisman. Talisman. It's just one we've played um, a long time ago. <laughs> I used to play it a fair like more as a kid. Out of Microbrew and Vector, whatever it was, and the Hero Path. Which one did you enjoy the most? Probably Hero Path. I think like. Definitely had like the most epic feeling to it, and yeah, like that. Yeah, I was quite looking forward to playing it and stuff like that. How about what was you? the car one called again? Fecto Force. It could do with a Fecto better... Race. Fecto Race. It could do with a better name. <laughs> I think I liked that one the most. You like Fecto Race the most? Yeah. Or Micro. I'd rather play that again out rather than the other two. Mm. So yeah, that's all the... We're up to date now. We've done our reviews. <laughs> I don't know that anyone will give us review copies. Like, we <laughs> never seem... They never seem to be to our taste, the copies that the people send us. That's you, like, slagging them all, <laughs> all the time. No, I think it's difficult. Like, yeah, because what you have to do when you do a review is just say what people want you to say in here, <laughs> as opposed to what you actually think of something. No, no, you do do it right, but, like... 
I, I feel feel a weird pressure when I've got a review copy. Like we play, we don't do official reviews. We just play games and then we talk about like if we enjoyed them or not. And yeah, we're not telling people to buy it or not buy it. Yeah, <laughs> but when I receive a review copy, I just suddenly feel like a lot more pressure. Like. I feel like I have to make sure I've really understood the game properly, like I've given it a fair shake. And like I tend to think about it more objectively than um, if we've bought it ourselves. So I try to think about like, well, who would enjoy this and like stuff like that. So it's, it's kind of a bit different. Yeah, but then no, I think, I like, point, is that yeah. right? Anyway, we've played the games. These, those are our opinions on them. So hopefully you enjoyed this episode. I mean, we both had a favourite, and I'd definitely play the Vecto race again. Oh, okay. I mean, we're just going to play Gloomhaven, so... That's all we're going to play for weeks now, <laughs> long as we can't go anywhere, too, because, like, you're, like, hooked on that now, yeah, so we'll you'll want to play next. that over anything it's else. All those board games on there, and we're just going to keep playing the same old No, way. we have been playing I'm just a bit sad, because I was looking forward to playing it with other people, yeah. and, like, people dipping in and playing different characters, and that doesn't really seem likely now for a long while. No. Even if it's just us for a while, that's, that's fine. I'm sure we're not going to finish it. FYI, that noise is Becky keeps like slapping my leg when she's talking. Because <laughs> she wondered what that noise was. Right. Wrap um, it up. Baby's waking up. Yeah, she is. Right. Well, I imagine we'll get another podcast out a bit sooner than Probably last be a bit time. more regular now. Got nothing we? else to do. <laughs> so, yeah, um, if you want to hear more from us, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, we're at Board Games in Bed, or we're also on Instagram and Facebook. Just search for Board Games in Bed, you'll find us. Um, in the meantime, stay safe, everyone. And we'll follow see. the rules. And follow the rules. Board gaming and virus related. Good. Bye.